Today's episode is sponsored by EditPods. EditPods provide full-service podcast editing that's all in one podcast editing without breaking the bank. Now, one of the biggest problems that I have when running this podcast is the time it takes to edit, clip, upload, and post my podcast in all of the right places with some new artwork, links, descriptions, and all of the jazz that comes along with it. Now, what EditPods do is help podcasters skip all the hassle and focus directly on making the best show possible, freeing our minds to help hone the craft instead of spending time writing copy and doing transcripts and finding links, all of these time-consuming activities. So EditPods work with podcasters that want to focus their time on areas of excellence and take the rest off their plate. If that sounds good to you, you can use the coupon code CHATTER to get $30 off basic or plus or $50 off a premium for the first month. That's CHATTER, C-H-A-T-T-E-R, for $30 or $50 off your first month at EditPods. Make podcasting fun again. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I'm here with Tanya Radswafir, who is an actor, writer, and thought leader. Uh, Tanya, welcome to the show. Well, you managed the mouthful of my name. I did. Yeah, hopefully hopefully that continues. You may now call me Tanya for the rest of the interview. Exciting. To be fair, I have butchered many a name on this podcast, so... um, (laughs) unfortunately and apologies if i look just like sweaty it is 30 something degrees and like 50 percent humidity in my flat yeah. and uh, we have a a cat that enjoys to jump from the balcony so i can't have the main balcony door open unless i shut him out and yeah anyway <laughs> you don't need to know that so um so to start off on on a light note um who's who's your favorite doctor who Oh, my gosh. Well, I've got to say Jodie because that's the doctor who I worked with. And she's just a phenomenal person. She's so kind, so welcoming. Um, I absolutely adore her as a person as an and as an actress. It was such a it was such an important learning experience for me and one of my favorite jobs that I've ever done. Um, you know, it's such a, such a wonderful cast and crew. And I'm excited to see how the show continues. Were you a big fan when you were when you were younger? No. <laughs> okay, no. so that's why you can say Jodie Foster and not like David Tennant or, or. Well, of course, yeah, of course, there's David Tennant. I mean, legends have come through that show. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then everyone hates on Matt Smith, but I quite enjoyed Matt Smith. Oh, Matt Smith is phenomenal, Ph- phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I I love so many of his projects, and also uh, who who is the other one? Oh gosh, Christopher Eccleston. Yes, him. He, he was. Yeah. So cool as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, well, he was the first doctor that I'd ever experienced. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd never heard of this show before. And then my mom was like, you'll like this. Yeah. Told me yeah. at whatever age I was. <laughs> yeah. So um, then to turn in a slightly more serious direction, uh, now that we've got the niceties out of the way. Uh, no, don't worry. I'm not going to go full Hotep Jesus on you and dive straight into, into things. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he did that. He went for it. He, he did. Um, so in that interview, you described yeah. this idea of like consciousness leveling up that you've mm-hmm. gone through. Like, yes. what, do you, what do you mean by that? Yes. What a great question. You know, I think that when people go through events that seem kind of catastrophic, um, you can choose your perspective on how you're going to to look at them. You know, 
And whether that's going to be an empowering perspective or whether you're going to sit in the identity of that moment that happened to you. And for me, I was actually talking to an incredible man um, based in Australia. He's a PhD and he, um, his name is Dr. Brian Spittles. And he works in the, the field of uh, this kind of psycho-spiritual, right? That, that connection beyond the science of the mind, but you're talking about the, the matters of the spirit. And he, he said to me that, you know, sometimes when someone ex- goes through something, you know, like my supernova event, it, it can be, it, it's almost like the, sup- the subconscious doing a rapid healing on the conscious mind. And so that's what I kind of went through. And it looked kind of, you know, frenetic and, and out there. Um, but what has come out the other side, and very rapidly, by the way, because I've prioritized my health as my number one is that I'm good. I'm, I'm good, you know? Um, So it was a moment in time and I'm just so glad that I didn't dwell in that moment and that I was able to draw power out of that moment. So any, in any way, if there's any way that I could empower people who feel like they're going through absolute catastrophe, um, you know, hopefully you're not in the public eye and it's not blasted all over the news. Like what happened to me? But even if you're just a person at home and your family is kind of struggling to contain the energy that's swirling within you and around you, you can come out the other side and be so strong. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a lesson for, for, for anyone going through a difficult period. Mm. Um, And there's a, Oh, I cannot remember which lecture it's from, but there's um, a point in in one of Jordan Peterson's lecture series where he talks about the idea that as we explore new areas and do new things and and put ourselves in situations that we haven't, that yeah. it's not just like it's not just like a metaphorical learning and growing experience that like your brain literally like creates new neural pathways and like your your mind like actually grows and and expands and like creates new things out of these experiences so it's not just like metaphorical yes and i think that's my frustration around the language of mental health awareness because it denies the fact that the brain is malleable much of the talk denies the fact that the brain is malleable you can absolutely change that stuff. You do not have to stay stuck in depression. Absolutely not. And you can fully heal and you can come out and you don't even have to be on any kind of meds or whatever, but let me not go straight into that avenue yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, let's, let's have hope. Come on, let's have hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this is obviously a very difficult topic because in, in my experience, like, I don't know, everyone has struggles or like, um, doubts and, and I don't know, anxiety or all of these things. They're like completely 100% human emotions that are experienced by everyone. There is no creature of zero self doubt or anxiety or, or, or yet depression and sadness. And like, all of these things are just like wrapped up in the human experience, but it's, it's so difficult to, cause like, in my mind it's like all of the things that have like i don't know i've I've dealt with like a lot of these issues of my own 
Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been like crippling in the way that they are for some people, mm. but um, it's kind of it led me to this idea that like I think that you, most people, I don't know what percentage most is, but most people mm. um, can 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 get themselves out of that. And and most of it, I think, is is about like mentality and and as you kind of mentioned as well, like health, because like I think diet and exercise can be like a massive part of that. Huge. Um, and like, when did you, when did you start putting that as number one? Was it after this, like, like sort of, yeah, crisis, uh, maybe not crisis, sorry, supernova event that, that yeah. you described was, is that like when, when you sort of decided to put that, you, that part of yourself first? Yeah. Well, you know, that's when I really doubled down and I realized that I had to be like next level. I mean, I, I stopped drinking any alcohol um I so like on the first of January this year I was like that's it goodbye old friend (laughs) turned into an enemy um (laughs) and you know I just I wanted to leave anything that could cause any sort of internal disruption um you know in the gut um behind so that I could just just live in the moment and not let anything keep me stuck. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, I like salads now, um, which I, <laughs> and I eat salad every day. Never thought that would happen to me. I love, I've always loved food and I've always loved sort of diverse foods, but um, I just had to learn what was right for me in terms of diet and um, exercise. I've always been a keen yogi. I've, I've done yoga for gosh, must be about 13 years, 13 plus years now. It's been a huge part of my life. And I do think it's something that's kept me on track um, throughout and, you know, kept my body in in the shape that I like it and has kept me really strong and and centered. But I had to, um, I had to explore all these different elements, you know, and I think a lot of the time when we're doing the work to level up, we'll get really good at one aspect be like oh yeah but I meditate every day why isn't it working I meditate every day Hmm. but then you're eating nonsense you know throughout the day or you're watching terrible I don't know violence or whatever insert whatever bad things you're putting in your eyes um so I just you know I just realized that it was important to be incredibly holistic about all of this if I was going to achieve what I wanted to achieve in terms of strength and fortitude mm. like what what made you d- dis- decide that that's what you wanted to go for like i don't know i've I, like so a, a lot of these like um changes that i made in my, or tried to like make myself at least anyway came at the start of the pandemic so um i broke up with my then girlfriend mm. um and then we were just sat around at home um just being like okay right what do i do and i was like well i mean everyone's getting sick maybe it would be a good idea to be like not sick um, and try and be as healthy as possible. So like for me, that was part of what sparked it. And then I had a lot of time to like reflect on myself and like, yeah. you know, but what was it that, that, that made you decide to, to prioritize that strength? It's my relationship with God. Um, I personally got saved in 2019. So um, I started going to church and I sort of, I started reading the Bible and, and um, I was called to this, to this life. You know, I, I was absolutely, I feel 
with unequivocally without a doubt that I was called to this life of faith um and it's you know in that process I've simply been kind of refined and and I got energy back that I I had no idea that I would get back you know I was always one of those people that I'm was like um I'm I'm not a morning person or whatever now I'm like four o'clock okay <laughs> writing like I'm just like I can't believe it like this is wild um but it's 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 fun and 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 I finally become rooted in my own voice and I've realized that you know I might not have a million followers on Instagram or whatever, but my voice is still impactful. And if I touch one person with a prayer that I put out in the morning, or if I, I touch one person with an observation around culture that I put out, then that that's done something in someone's mind, you know, and it's, it's done something in how they interact in the world. And that's, that's part of healing. That's part of healing the collective, no matter how small your voice seemingly, you know, is. Mm. Yeah, that really chimes with this, like, and I always laugh because it's it's from um, Evan Almighty, you know, the 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 sequel to Bruce Almighty, the one with uh, um, Steve Carell. And, um, yeah, I've seen Bruce Almighty, but not the other one. Okay, well, I, I don't know. I, it's pretty funny. Um, it's got Steve Carell and um, the girl who plays Lorelai in Gilmore Girls. I don't know what her name is. Um, but, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but uh, he becomes like Noah, essentially, of the modern day. So he, he gets the beard and then he gets all this stuff delivered to him. And at the end, uh, God, like Morgan, Morgan Freeman, comes up to him and he says, like, how do you change the world? It's mm. like one act of random kindness at a time. And then it spells out arc in this beautiful little end to the film. Um, but that's how I, all, that, 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 that idea is forever stuck with me. That is like, you know, you make the world, you don't make the world better in these massive gestures that make everything wonderful straight away. It's like, it happens. Yeah. Like little bit by little bit, like little yeah. tiny, tiny, like millimeter by millimeter by like yeah. tiny positive ripple. And in the same, in the same sense, like you can make your world a lot worse, like increment by increment. Um, and Yes. Mm. So, yes. Mm. And I think that's part of why people are feeling so demoralized by um, how curated the landscape of social media is. You know, you've got all these people with apparently perfect lives and they just don't ever do anything wrong. And they say all the right things and they've got all the right opinions and they look just immaculate. And and it's like I could never be that. You know, people feel like I could never be that. And then they project that back onto themselves like, well, that must mean I'm absolutely awful. You know, pass me the thing to destroy myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then it's also like becoming obsessed with becoming that person online that like it yeah. that, that, that like you want to mirror what you've seen in yes in your own profile. You and want... we're being robbed of moments. You know, people cannot enjoy a meal without ha having to get out their phone. They can't enjoy. They can't enjoy. You know, and it's not just robbing you of a moment. It's now robbing you of a memory. So what does that do in the psyche? I. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. It's basically, it takes us out of the present. And if you're out of the present, then where are you? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, steep question. Um, right? I mean, I guess you're in like this, 
Because you know how people talk about them, go, like, uh, you see people, like, stuck, like, just scrolling, like, TikTok or something. They're in, like, a Ooh. talk hole. TikTok. I think it's called a talk hole. Um, like, yeah, like a like a K-hole, but for TikTok, right? Yeah. And sure. um, they just go into this, like, ether where there's, like... It, there's like a bubble between them and their and their their phone. It's like it's like the Buddha box from South Park. I don't know if you've seen this. It's uh, it was like from one of the more recent seasons, and they yeah. had um, they were selling these things called Buddha boxes, where Ooh. you had your phone screen. You put a, a cardboard box on your head, and you had your phone screen like uh, projected inside your your cardboard box. It was yeah. for people suffering with anxiety, so that they could like be like Buddha and tune out the world and just like have some quality alone time with their phone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. that's what it's that's like that's very much where, where people disappear to it's just like it feels like you're stealing life and time absolutely absolutely you know i, I find myself feeling sucked into these images on instagram stories of like you know a beautiful place in bali and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> so honestly i just try i try not to look like I put my own stuff out there and interact with people who send me really beautiful questions, but I try not to observe too much of other people's content. I've got maybe one or two people that I look at, but mm. yeah. Have you thought about ditching it all? Oh, well I did. So after my supernova event, I came off Instagram for six months. I was like, I'm out. I'm not engaging in this psychological warfare because <laughs> that's what it felt like. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very much what it can feel like um yeah. at times. But like so what what brought you back? Like what what made you like reverse the decision? Well, I I felt strong and healthy and ready to contribute my perspective. And I'd done enough work on on my internal world to not feel guilty around the message that I was putting out. You know, I got clear. My channel got nice and clear. I mean, you know, no one's perfect, but I I was able to integrate various elements of my personality into a voice that made sense to me, you know, because mm. I'm like, you know, as I said to Hotep, like people have called me like deep and weird and, and crazy. And like, what is this? What is this? Um, and so I've had to really accept the various elements of myself. So I, I sort of went on a journey through, you know, being an actress to, doing some writing and then to last year doing a bit of stand-up comedy um you know I've done music I've I've just explored different avenues on my way to to having a voice to creating a voice and understanding my voice um and I now I feel in a good position to sort of test test the waters test the waters mm. what's going on yeah that's funny. The way you described that crazy, weird, and what is this? That's like basically the criteria I go for for podcast guests. So it's like nice to know you fit in there. <laughs> so like when you say like you felt ready to share your perspective, like what do you mean your perspective? Like on what? What, what is the, the thing that you feel you need to share a perspective on? Hmm. Gosh. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested in so many areas and I've, I've got to tread carefully because I, I like to do as much research as I can. But I think what really piqued my, my interest and energy was the movement around this global awakening to the realities of how racism affects the lives of Black people um, in the sort of 
in the West mm-hmm. and beyond. And simultaneously, the rise of black voices and, you know, strong um, black people who, are, who have become, you know, prominent figures in, in public discourse. And then following that, the sort of weaponization of identity trying to corral people into tiny little boxes and say, you know, only this person can speak to this universal issue. Mm. And if you are part of the wrong group, you surely don't have a perspective on this issue. And I was like, hang on a minute. There's something up with that. Let's have a look at that because that is, that's going to damage all of us because eventually the net just goes like that, you know? And unfortunately, you know, people are just being, they're willingly putting, they're voluntarily putting themselves into these characters, you know? And it's, it's just, um, it's hugely destabilizing and it's part of the destabilization. Mm, that's interesting that you describe it as characters, like they're, like they're playing a role. Mm. It's really, because like, sometimes I do wonder, is like, because my opinions on things like okay like i have like my set opinions but then like sometimes it'll depend on what day you catch me as to what exactly i think about something yes and then my 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 opinions are all over the show in terms of like like you can't like easily define me as like even just like left or right because like i have some some like very like strangely like seemingly apparently incompatible opinions yeah. Um, but like, I think all humans do, right? Yes. But then, like, you see these people like presented on social media that, as you put it earlier, they always have the right opinions with their, you know, like sexy blue check mark. And um, where's mine? Yeah. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like, do you think that these people are like consciously and actively curating this persona online? Or do you think they're simply being swept up by what seems like the thing to say? Yeah. Well, one thing that um, came up with on the Hotep Jesus interview was this concept of the reward structure built into mm-hmm. identity expression. And so people are recognizing what stories they're being rewarded for, mm-hmm. you know, what aspect of themselves they're being rewarded for. And they're just going with it. It's like people like to hear about this trauma in my life. Okay, let's talk about it. And it's like, well, that that's good if you if you've integrated that experience for yourself and and you're shining a light on something. But for me personally, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable to sit in a story of trauma for me personally, and I'm sure for others. Mm. Do you think that perhaps? This is a wild speculation, so don't get mm. mad at me. Um, like, do you th- do you think perhaps this, like, not it's like this gratification and rewarding of like a victim mentality or someone who's like oppressed or depressed or um, mm. suffering with whatever ailment it might be. Mm. Mm. Mentally, like, do you think that like glorifying and rewarding that? that is is actually like preventing us for preventing people from sorting themselves out because they've got that positive reward like feedback from like them saying you know i am i am a victim or i am oppressed or i have like mental health problems and people go great 
you've done so well to think about that and then then there's no there's almost like no incentive to get better because because they've been like rewarded for that yes yes well i always like to come at these things from a perspective of hope and i i think you know their healing is it does come in stages and sometimes people just don't know how to pull themselves out of a certain voice mm. you know um and so i think that's where i sit in terms of what I'm trying to evoke for people. You can pull yourself out of that voice, even if you've been rewarded for it. Um, it's a stage of healing because, you know, part of healing is having that validation of, yes, this did happen to you. Yes, this did happen to me. You know, a lot of people who suffer through various abuses are then gaslighted. Mm. Are you sure this happened to you? Really? Did it really? Yeah. Are you not just looking for attention, mm. you know, and you have these dark, nasty and insidious kind of questioning about what's happening to you. And so I think it's very important that we go through this stage because it's um, it's emotional validation of what's happened to you so that you can go forward in truth. Yeah. So when you say like the the weaponization of of identity, I was hoping we could get like just a little bit more into what you mean by that because like a lot of people will see it as saying you know I I've come from whatever background and this is who I am and for me I I I've never been a huge fan of that because I come from somewhere where we literally blew each other up because of a question of identity is like the, the main question wow. of the troubles mm-hmm. in Northern Ireland was yeah. like, are we British or are we Irish? Like that was, that was the question. Um, and that's like, you know, there was obviously un- like a lot of other underlying issues, but like when it comes down to it, that's what it is. And we, 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 we killed each other because of like identity. So I'm always really like wary of people like defining themselves like that, because I've seen the hot, like I've seen what it does to people. Yeah. Um, so like, what do you mean by the weaponization of, of identity? Mm, okay. What was coming up for me, I think, when I was thinking about this last week was the word stratified. And I was like, stratified, what does that even mean? I had to like look it up and I was like, ah, oh, that's why this word has come up for me. Victimhood is stratified. I was like, what does that mean? So it's about, there's two different uses for the word stratified. One is a social use and one is about seedlings. And identity is useful in sort of coming together and building strength in numbers, just as you plant seeds in, you know, whatever mulch um, and And the fact of them being close to each other helps them to actually grow together, right? Mm-hmm. But to then, for the, for the plucking out bit or, you know, or for the next stage, we then have to emerge out of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, it's, it's simply an evolution of growth in discourse, in consciousness, in humanity, um, we don't we don't have to be afraid of it, but we just need to sort of understand how it works. We we united around these identities for a reason, because 
we needed to stick together to get through what was happening to us, you know, whether you're black or whether you come from a low income, you know, community or, you know, whatever, you know, you grow when you stick together. Um, but, you know, let's not get trapped and, and assume that we all have the same opinions as, this, as, this, as the group, you know, the group that we're in. Mm. And maybe new groups are forming. Mm. And that's hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I hope new groups are forming. Or we're oh, totally they screwed. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. Uh, yeah. And so one of the things you'd said on the on the the interview with with Hotep was that like you felt in a way guilty that you hadn't been able to experience the same I don't even remember exactly what the phrase was but you were you were talking about having been like lighter skinned than your yeah. your mum and you were talking yeah. about like a guilt of not being able to experience the yeah. like what she had gone through essentially. Yes. Why do you think you feel that guilt? And like, what is it that you actually feel guilty about? Yeah, yeah. I think that there is something that goes on in the mind of a mixed race person that where you see two people that are your, your parents, but you don't quite look like either one of them the whole way, you know? Mm. And add on top of that, the social connotations around black and white, it just, it can be sort of distancing and everyone needs to know where they've come from in order to go forward. It's so important for the development and integration of self to know where you've come from, you know? And so I think I felt a sense of guilt and sadness that I, I can't possibly know the things that my mother went through coming from Zimbabwe to England at the time that she came. I mean, I certainly had my own immigrant experience when I moved as a British person to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and it was tough. <laughs> it was really tough. It was tough, but I, I was not coming from the same situation as my mother. You know, she, she so kindly worked so hard and works so hard. Um, to have given me an uh, incredible life and I had an amazing education and my father too, you know, they, 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 they allowed me to come from a place of certainly privilege um, in education. Mm. So like, do you think, do you think it's different? Um, say, like for so for example, like, um, my mom is from Northern Ireland. She grew up there. Like she mm. didn't have anywhere near the like opportunities that I had. Mm. Um, uh, she was a woman living um, from yeah. like through the seventies and eighties when you yeah. know um, there was probably a little bit more like ingrained sexism in in society mm. than there right. is today. Yeah. There was like I don't know, like a a career driven woman was maybe not as like normal as it as it is mm. for us today. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's definitely like things that I can't like get as to like what she went through. Yeah. But like I I don't feel like guilt for that because like I've got my own struggles to deal with and like it seems like you have your 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 own things. Um, like for example, when you went to Los Angeles and you had your own experiences to yeah. deal with. Do you think that that like understanding like on like a personal level, like the struggles that our ancestors went through, is like really important? Hmm. 
and like maybe it's different because I'm talking about gender and like timing compared to race, but like I feel like they all have like a there's there's like a commonality in in a yeah. sense with all of them. Yeah, there's a commonality in the sort of constructions um, that we become part of or come up against. There is a commonality for sure. Um, is it important to know what our ancestors went through? I am just someone that is has a depth of perception in the way that I experience my daily life that perhaps other people can't quite relate to. So for me to be able to keep myself emotionally healthy and emotionally safe, I've just had to get really granular with it and really just get into the details of mm. What's happened hmm. to explain my sort of highly sensitive sensory experience of the world? Like, do you think everyone could benefit from that? Or do you think it's something more specific to you and your character? Well, it's certainly specific to me and my character, but I think that what's going to happen as we as we travel out of the age of information and into the age of intuition or whatever, is that people are certainly going to develop a sense of truth because we need to because of the way that we're being sort of attacked at the level of mind mm. so yes i think that i think people are i think people's gifts are going to start to emerge as necessitated by the time Okay, there's a lot there you're going to have to unpack here for me. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was a, I gave you so much. You want me to do more? <laughs> yeah, come on. We've got a bit of time left. <sighs> we haven't even had breakfast yet. Actually, I did. I had some fruit toast. I'm on a fruit toast kick at the moment. Fruit toast. Oh, that does sound yeah. good. No, I've had... It's like covered in butter. Mmm. Yeah. Oh, that does sound good. It's good. I've had, I've had coffee and yeah. some, some, like vitamins <laughs> that's it that's what i've had so far today i've never been i've not i'm not a big breakfast person and then i'll eat like a stupid amount for lunch and then sit there for an hour being like Ugh. yeah <laughs> i sort of have an i have an early dinner around like four or five which is like some like chicken and salad and that'll be like my big meal of the day but then before that i'll be doing like a lot of fruit and yeah i allow myself some fruit toast or whatever like Man, I gotta live. Yeah, you know you've you've cut out, you've cut out alcohol. Like you gotta have some <laughs> some vices left. <laughs> so the thing the thing that I really want to get um, into there was that you said that we're moving out, or we are hopefully moving out of the age of information and into the age of intuition. Mm. Like, what do you mean by that? Oh, <laughs> hey, that was just a little nuclear bomb I wanted to plant and see what how people would react to it. That's fine. Um, well, we'll see the comment section afterwards. But I mean, <laughs> well, okay, we have access to many of the world's secrets mm. at our fingertips. You know, there's nothing that's beyond the realms of understanding. However, just like we know that bees, for example, see like ultraviolet or perceive different layers or levels of consciousness that are beyond most people's eyesight as we know it. 
there is more going on. There is more swirling. There's more, there's energy, there's stuff going on. Um, and so a natural progression out of the fact that we now have so much of this, these words and this information is to then, there is, there is something around the realm of spirit that'll simply bring it back to balance. It's, you know, this is about walking towards balance. Mm. Mm. It's interesting because like when people talk about the age of information, I think like it's the age of information overload. Like everything is there, but yes. like we just, we can't see the wood for the trees. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's disturbing. And it is disturbing. It's, it's amazing that we used to think that like all these things, all this, all this knowledge would lead to enlightenment and the absolute fucking opposite has happened. It's so yeah. hilarious. And well, I think it's our human arrogance, you know, particularly, you know, people who perceive themselves as intellectuals, they think that they're not vulnerable to propaganda. And in fact, they're some of the most vulnerable to propaganda because of this arrogance. Mm. Yeah. And you see that all the time, like smart yeah. people just taken in by things like yeah. it's because the further you go into the realms of theory, you become divorced from truth. Mm. Yeah, you want, yeah, you, you just, you're wandering too far from the real world to yeah, actually like, understand back. it. Come back, just have a walk on the grass. Yeah, like, go and talk to some real people. That's what I think most of the time. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's another thing with all, you know, it, one does wonder if some of these people have any interactions with just like normal people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? Because like people, you know, it's like, when, when people like say they're responding to like comments on Twitter, it's just like, oh, person I love, person I love, person I love, disagreed, bigot, person I love. Like, and, <laughs> and yeah. whereas if you're in a room with someone, you can't just, you, I don't know, I'd find it like incredibly uncomfortable if someone said like a fairly, re made a fairly reasonable statement and then someone just turned around and was like, started screaming at them like they would on Twitter, like, you racist, yes. you're the worst person I've ever met. Yeah. Like, like that just wouldn't happen in real life. <laughs> Yes, right. It's incredibly disturbing. It's incredibly disturbing. Mm. I mean, thankfully, the latest attacks that have, I've heard have happened against me have been far away from me, and I just don't look at it. I yeah. just cannot look at it. I can't look at it. Like, oh, you've decided you hate me? Why? <laughs> you don't know me. Yeah. You do not know me. I get I get oh. a real kick out of it. Like I'll I'll call I'll call yeah, my best. I, I need to start like getting a kick out of it. Like yeah, you hate me. Mm, yum. No, I'll call my best friend. Be like, go to this video. Like, look what they're saying in the comments yeah. section. <laughs> I'll be cracking up about some person calling me an idiot, and I'm just like, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Um, oh, I love that, Josh. I'm gonna take that. Yeah, it's it's like there's there's no other way to like deal with it. Like yeah. you know, if there's like five hundred comments all saying the same like critical points, like maybe you've got a point. Maybe there's something to look at. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just like shut up. Like you know, uh, like most of the interactions that I get on my podcast are incredibly positive. It's like ninety yeah. plus percent likes and and thumbs up and all this. It's just like so why the fuck would I get worried about these what these idiots? Yeah. <laughs> oh. What's on your T-shirt? Uh, it's the Beatles. Oh, Sergeant Pepper. Wonderful. 
Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you wore that today. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I was going to put a shirt on, but it's too hot. <laughs> the disrespect. Sorry. I mean, and yeah, all my... I've been, yeah, I've been, I've had like three interviews in a row with like people who are really, really like highly respected in their field, like scientists, professors and stuff. So I put shirts on for all of them and I've been sat there just like sweating. And I was like, no, it's the middle of the day. It's 30 degrees. I can get away with a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, it was the right t-shirt. Yeah. I went to, I recently went to Liverpool actually uh, for the first time in my like adult life and like went to the, the Cavern Club for the first time and like into the Sergeant Pepper store and um yeah i was just like in so, awe yeah mm. that's so awesome oh, yeah yeah, I've, yeah. really their music has really been inspiring me a lot lately like oh really i've been listening to a lot of the beatles lately don't mm. know why it's just yeah all you need is love that's what love, it is yeah i love george harrison i really love george harrison oh is that your favorite beetle perhaps yes mm. yeah. what's your favorite beatles record Oh gosh. Uh, the one, the songs that I've been listening to a lot lately have been um, "You're Gonna Lose That Girl," "Here, There, and Everywhere," mm. and then um, "Oh My Gosh, My Sweet Lord," George Harrison, mm. "My Sweet Lord." Yeah. So beautiful. It's a great, great. Beautiful. Song. Mm. Uh, I need to go to India. I really want to go to India. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love it feels to like it feels like travels like a little bit weird. Like outside of Europe, I feel like less set than I used to. I feel Ooh. like normally I would have had zero zero issues just being like, okay, let's go. And now I'm like, Ooh, what if everything falls apart again and I'm stuck somewhere like miles Ooh. away? Like Europe, Ooh. I can get home from. Like I could fucking walk if I need to. Like, <laughs> ah! oh my gosh, you all right? <laughs> this butterfly just fl did you see that? It's the spirit of George Harrison coming to welcome you, reincarnate. Yeah, and it's so beautiful as well. It's got like four eyes on it. Wow. So um, I'd like to go back um, a little bit to, we were talking there about um, this arrogance, like a few minute arrogance and like the idea that we might, yeah, that people are missing things and that like our, or yeah, our, our, our trust in our own, like, yeah, when we have all the knowledge, we'll obviously make all the right decisions and believe all the correct information. Yeah. Um, and it kind of reminds me um, of a conversation I had on Wednesday that will be out tomorrow, actually, um, yeah. with the, this guy called uh, Gerald Schroeder, who's written, like, I've, I, ca I can't count how many books about, like, the, the convergence of science and religion. Like where like um, spirituality and science meet, basically. So he, he's written a lot. He's, his books are like uh, what God says about God um, is the one I'm I'm like listening to the audio book of the minute. But like it's talked a lot about how we have had we have the the arrogance to state that humans can create their own moral truths and that then society will be amazing. And that like his his contention is that if you look at history the evidence isn't really in our favor because people say that like religion has caused a lot of death and destruction and war. And then you look at what happened when, when, you know, nations have abandoned um, some sort of religion and decided yeah. to create their own like, yeah, moral code and truth. Yeah. And that ends in even more like district, like you, you look at, yeah, Nazi Germany, um, 
Stalin's Russia, uh, communist China, uh, like Cambodia. Like you, you, there's no shortage of examples where, when, when these, I don't know what it is, these underlying like moral laws or truths get cast aside um, in favor of of new ones that we seem to just like descend into like well everything's sweet like murder them they can die send them to the gulags like and 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 and, and i'm listening to it and be like he kind of has a point like and uh, like do you think that that this age of intuition will take us back towards more of those like yeah like moral values that that like religion like previously like taught us in society yeah i hope so and i think that people are really crying out for it because they're struggling with a moral framework and that's humbling it's humbling you know and not many people, I mean, no one wants to be humbled really that much, you know, it's like, oh, humble me. Like, but it's actually a wonderful thing to ask God to do, you know, because then it's like, that's where true wisdom can enter. So, you know, yes, hopefully, hopefully we're moving into something that's healthier. Like, do you believe that that is the, like, the source of our moral truth? Like, I mean, I've been, I'm sure people on this podcast are going to get sick of me talking about religion and, and truth and spirituality, mm-hmm. but, you know, they can fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's what I'm interested in at the minute. Um, but, like, do you think that that is, like, that, that religion is where our, our moral code has, has always come from and, like, some sort of higher power? Is that, is that, is that what you believe? Well, religion is man-made. I mean, all, all I can speak to is the evidence in my own life. Once I had a relationship with God, my life changed for the better. That's that's all I can say, you know. Mm. Yeah. It's very difficult to argue with someone's like subjective experience. Yeah. 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 Mm. But I think because of, you know, human misinterpretation or human limited understanding of God's word, um, people feel incredibly disenfranchised by the notion of religion. And um, yeah, so of course they they kind of step away from any kind of force of love or loving God or benevolent God, because it's like, how could God be good and benevolent if there's this, 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 this? Mm. Well, my relationship with God has helped me to find the good in my own life. And that's all I can say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, well, you can't really, you can't really get, like you can't have the highs without the lows. It's like, you can't have like ultimate good without ultimate evil, but you can't have the idea of paradise without the hell that we can create for ourselves. Yeah. Um, It's, yeah, I've never bought that that argument. That's never been one that, that was like, oh, well, there can't be a, a God because, well, you, how would all these horrible things happen? And it's like, what? Like, yeah. And I guess a lot of the, it's like, that. this brings me back to this this story of like, you know, when um, when the when the levees broke after Hurricane Katrina and, and flooded um, and killed like loads and loads and loads of people um, mm. in in was it Florida or was it Texas? Why am I getting this confused? In New Orleans, that's where it was. Um, 
Louisiana. Why did I get that? Anyway, but yeah, so they, they talked about, like, there was this thing that, like, some people were like, oh, well, you know, God broke the levees to punish people, you know, uh, for their actions. I heard this, and, and someone put this really brilliant twist on it. They were like, well, you know, the reason that the levees broke is because they weren't upgraded in the way that they should have been. So, like, humans failed to do something and then the universe punished them for like being corrupt and not fulfilling the purpose that they should have and like acting immorally so like did 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 the universe break the levees or did the humans break the levees like was it our actions or was it right um so yeah it's it's yeah yeah, yeah. it's a question of you know responsibility and i think a lot of people uh, don't feel able or ready to confront the concept of responsibility mm. for themselves. What does that mean to you? Responsibility for me is, is having the acute knowledge that me at my best health is the highest form that I can take in this world. And the responsibility in that is about my own personal worth and the, and the change that me loving myself, just the love of, of myself that, that is emitted through my energy to others, that's, that, that's powerful. And it is my responsibility to, to take care of myself and to love myself so that I can be a vessel for God and so that I can be part of a movement towards good, good change, you know. And that is my, and there is a huge degree of accepting responsibility there. Mm. But I couldn't live it any other way, I, you know, couldn't live any other way. Well, that feels like a really beautiful place to to wrap things up. Uh, Tanya, I really, really want to thank you for your time. It's been a fascinating chat. Yes, I've enjoyed it so much, Josh. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, long may these dialogues continue. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks to Adam for, for, for introducing me to your stuff. Yes. Shout out to Adam B. Coleman, the author of Black Victim to Black Victor, who introduced us. Yeah. Phenomenal man brilliant really funny as well i'd I'd have great chats with him looking forward to him coming and uh coming later in the year absolutely well perhaps we can meet then as well yeah that'd be cool yeah cool Um, but yeah thanks very much thank you thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast if you want to leave us a comment that would be awesome please like share subscribe and if you're listening on apple please leave us a review until next time thanks for listening